Let's pray together. Lord, we just we thank you for these students. We we thank you for all the workers. Uh, we thank you for all the hours that have been spent uh, as these folks just put this all together. We thank you for for the students who were we're members of this church. We also thank you for the ones that visited with us over the weekend, and we pray that we've planted seeds in each of their lives. Lord, we, we pray that something over this weekend uh, made a difference for them and helped them see more of Jesus. And Lord, we're just so very grateful uh, for what you've done. Uh, it's all about you, and it, and it was all about your power. We, we couldn't have done that, but somehow you put this team together. And Lord, I'm very grateful for this team uh, that you brought, this church that we call Stuart Presbyterian, and for each member. Uh, just thank you for what you're doing in their lives and what you're doing through them. Come now as we uh, read your word uh, and as we enter into a time of, of Holy Communion. Lord, just, uh, just come and send your spirit that we might uh, hear your word, that I might proclaim your word, and you would be praised and honored and glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, church, it has occurred to me that uh, numerous times these last few weeks that, that preaching through the Gospel of John has at times been very hard driving. Uh, it's been at times pretty hard hitting. Uh, and since John was written so that we might believe Jesus is the Christ, uh, the text that I have uh, and I have been driving home that subject repeatedly and while I make no apologies for the text, it's the Word of God, and I try to preach what it says, it has occurred to me at times that perhaps uh, I've been pretty tough in my proclamation. Uh, if I have been, let me say on, on one level, I'm, I'm sorry uh, if I have. But on another level, I do indeed hope that I've been faithful to the text. And on yet another level, please know that long before I arrive here on a Sunday morning, that that text has just bruised my toes uh, all, all to pieces. It's hit home uh, to me long before it stepped on your toes. And finally, please know, and I don't think I say this often enough, I love you, church. And I love being your under-shepherd, with Christ being the good shepherd. But he's called me to be your under-shepherd, and I, I just long to see us keep growing uh, as a church. And so uh, I hope the texts have helped drive that home. But that said, the overarching theme of Vacation Bible School presented itself, and I thought this a, a good opportunity to shift gears and to remind you that the primary reason Jesus and John's gospel want you to believe is because they want you to believe that Jesus and the Father loves you so very much. They really do. You are His beloved, and so am I. And there's no sweeter place for us to be than to be members of His sheepfold. But again, I'm going to move away from discussion of sheep and sheepfolds, and we're going to move to the VBS theme, the Deep Sea Mission theme for this weekend, and that is first and foremost to understand how much God in Jesus loves us. Look at Ephesians 3 uh, verses 14 to 19 with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Our text begins, verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And the first question we need to ask is, what what is for this reason there for? What is the reason? What is the reason Paul bows his knees? Why does he pray? Well, notice verse 1 of chapter 3 also begins, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Both instances of for this reason are referring to the same thing. And the logical conclusion is that they are referring to the end of chapter 22. Verse, end of chapter 2, verse 22. In him, you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul is praying that the Ephesians, because God now dwells in them, what he's praying is that he wants them to go deeper. The Spirit's in you. Now I want you to go deeper in your walk with the Lord. Pastors John Stodd and James Boyce suggest that Paul gives us an outline of what to pray for when we we want to walk closer with the Father. They refer to this outline as a prayer ladder or a prayer staircase. So each petition in this uh, prayer is a rung on the ladder, if you will. First rung, verse 16, that believers may be strengthened with power through the Spirit. Second and third rungs are in verse 17. Paul prays that believers may be indwelt with Christ. He also prays that we'd be grounded, we'd be rooted uh, in love. The fourth rung is found in verse 18, where Paul prays that we grasp the full dimensions of Christ's love. And the fifth and sixth rungs of the ladder are found in verse 19, where Paul prays that we would know this love, even though the full depths of this love surpasses knowledge. And he prays that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I'm not going to cover this section in great detail. Uh, First, because I I think Bucky and Andy Kesters may be preaching from Ephesians while I'm on uh, sabbatical. And I don't want to detract from anything they might be planning. Second, I want to focus really in on the theme of VBS, which is love. Specifically, understanding and experiencing the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love. So let's begin with the second part of verse 17. Paul prays that the the believers at Ephesus, and in turn we, that that all of us would be rooted and grounded in love. If Paul had been turning this paper in and he had an English teacher, she probably would have told him, Paul, you're using a mixed metaphor here. Because the first metaphor, rooted, is botanical. It compares a believer to a plant rooted 
in the love of Christ. The second metaphor is architectural. It's established. It compares a believer to a building built on a solid foundation, the solid foundation of love. Well, perhaps it's not proper English grammar, but it's good theology. Paul is praying that the love of Christ might nourish us. He's praying that that the root of Christ's love might encourage us. He's praying that 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 root would empower us and we might grow into that love. Paul is praying that the love of Christ would be a solid foundation, that we could build our lives upon that foundation. And it's a sure foundation, right? The love of Christ. It's in knowing that we're loved by Christ that you and I can can live a life of love and begin to love one another. Believers can build our lives on Jesus' new commandment in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Beloved, as Christians, as believers in Christ, are you rooted and grounded in His love? This table and the cross it represents reminds us of Christ's great love for us. So does this love nourish you Does it nourish you far beyond this day of Holy Communion? You know, we can have self-love, we can receive others' love as well we should, but I believe this is the love that really nourishes our lives. Self-love and others' love just doesn't love us completely, but Christ does. Christ does. And the love of Christ is the only sure foundation upon which to build our lives and to build our love for others. And listen, I know we all know non-believers who are very loving and very kind. In fact, sadly, we might have to admit that some of them love better than we do and they're kinder than we are. But that shouldn't be the case. And what Paul is saying is true. If we're truly building the foundation of our lives on his love, On Jesus' love, we're going to love more purely. We're going to love more deeply. So Paul prays that you and I are rooted and grounded in love. And then Paul also prays, verse 18, that we would comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love. And the words breadth and length and height and depth are combined to speak of the vastness and the completeness of Christ's love. The magnitude of Christ's love is such that it covers the length and the height and the breadth and the depth. Pastor John Stott again suggests that the love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all humankind. It's long enough to last for all eternity. It's high enough to exalt us to heaven And it's deep enough for the most degraded sinner. I cannot say whether Paul had in mind all these same categories that Stott mentions. But the point is that Christ's love is vast. 
It's bigger than big. It's greater than great. It's humongous. It's massive. It's gigantic. It's enormous. It's huge. And we could exhaust all the acronyms, we, I mean, the synonyms we could possibly use today, and it still wouldn't be big enough to describe the love of Christ. So on one hand, Paul prays that we might comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of Christ's love. And he prays, verse 19, that we might know the love of Christ. But then he immediately admits that, you know what, this great love surpasses knowledge. Is that a contradiction? Is Christ's love, if Christ's love surpasses knowledge, can we even know it? Well, I don't think it's a contradiction. And I think we can know it. I think Paul may be saying that though we'll never exhaust our knowledge of the love of Christ, we can truly know and experience His love. Second, he's ultimately praying that you and I keep growing in our awareness of Christ's love. Again, we'll never arrive at the point in life that we fully comprehend His great love. But we can continue to grow in that love. We can grow in that love whether we've been walking with the Lord 30, 40, 50, or 60 years or more. Let me ask you, have you ever been so in love that you couldn't find the words to express it? So in love that you couldn't come up with the words? From time to time, I like to read a collection of Zane Gray cowboy novels that Jeanette bought me several years ago. And they help me relax. Perhaps they help me relive my childhood of cowboy movies and playing cowboys and Indians. And I know that's not politically correct. I'm sorry, but that was my childhood. I had cowboy boots and six-shooter cap guns when I could barely walk. But in Zane Gray novels, there are, there's always a cowboy who's falling in love with a young woman. And usually this cowboy's never been in love before. And he's, he stumbles all over himself. He, he's just almost the biggest idiot trying to express his love. In fact, so much does he stumble all over himself that the girl begins to think, he hates me, he doesn't like me, because the guy just can't handle it. And finally, somewhere in the novel, he blurts out, I love you. Well, just as those cowboys did not have words to express, this old wannabe cowboy doesn't have adequate words to tell you about the love of Christ. But let me paint a picture that maybe in some way you can relate to. One of our granddaughters has been with us, Audrey, all week. And I've been reflecting a lot about my love for my daughters and my granddaughters all week long. And that love for me is so deep, I don't know how to tell you about it. I I really don't have words. And parents and grandparents, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, no words are adequate enough to talk about that love. But deep down, that love is so great that you believe you would die for your children and grandchildren if you could. That's the love of Jesus. Take that and multiply it many, many times over, and that's the kind of love Jesus has for you. Because you know what? He's already died for you. 
His is a vast, vast love. I was out in the carport this one evening this week playing with Audrey, and a ton truck came by pulling a, a trailer, and as it came by, she pointed at it, and she said, it's a big one. I can't say it the way Audrey says it, but Christ's love is a big one. It's a big one. Beloved, do you know how much Christ loves you? I can't fully describe it, but I can point you to it. It's here at the cross. It's here at the table as we remember what Christ did for us. That's the greatness. That's the bigness of Christ's love for you. Oh, my friends, see what love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Beloved of Christ, would you come to the table again and receive anew the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of Christ? Let's pray together. Lord, your love is, is so big that it truly surpasses knowledge. But we can live in your love. We can grow in your love. By your Holy Spirit, our eyes can be opened to see your love more fully, to see it as it's revealed in your scriptures and as it's revealed each day in our lives. And Lord, even though we, we cannot fully describe your love, we can point to it. We can point to the cross. We can see your great love as you died in our place and paid the penalty for our sins. We can point to the table, a reminder of your cross and your great love. So Lord, we would ask that you would set aside this holy communion table as truly holy unto you. This is ordinary bread and juice, but we set it aside for the holy purpose of your supper. May this table and, and, may, and the way we give and receive these elements be holy and pleasing unto you. We remember how you took bread and wine and pointed to your body broken and your blood shed for us. We remember that we Receive your hope and joy and peace and love at this table and in the cross it represents. Oh Lord, as we eat this bread, as we drink this cup, restore us so that we might truly be the living body of Christ to the world around us. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, and praise today and forevermore. Amen. I would remind you that the Lord Jesus on the night of his arrest took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body broken for you.
In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We invite those who trust uh, in the Lord Jesus as their Savior to, uh, to come to the table to share in this holy meal. Uh, we also uh, would ask uh, children that if you've never professed faith, that you come at some point and talk to the session and explain to them that you understand uh, communion. That's part of uh, what we want to do to help you understand what you're receiving. But if you're uh, a visitor with us here and you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're invited to this table. I would also remind you that Paul said that, that this is a time to examine ourselves. This is a time to prayerfully consider whether we're coming in a worthy manner. Uh, none of us are worthy. I say that many times. But we come asking, are we confessing? Are we coming repentant uh, as we come to the table to receive again the body and the blood of Christ broken and shed for us? So my friends, uh, these are the gifts of God for all the people of God. I would invite the elders to, to come forward for, to set up stations. We're going to have you... Uh, come up the center aisle, uh, grab the bread and the juice, and go back to your seats. If you would hold those, I would like for us to all commune together uh, at the end. And then we'll also have, uh, we'll be watching for anyone who can't come, and we will, we will serve you or, uh, as well. We have two people here and two people here. And, and go back um, if you guys will switch and bread first typically now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore Amen.